Well, I, w- I want us to think about how we measure spirituality or what it means to be spiritual. I've received a few phone calls over the years uh, as a pastor of a church, people wanting to find out about the church that I go to, the one that I lead. And sometimes they say, well, what are you into? Like, you know, what sorts of uh, emphases do you have? What do you think about the Holy Spirit? And I usually say, well, we're pretty keen on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually unites us together as a church. We wouldn't be a church if it wasn't for the work of the Spirit. And then they might push a little deeper. Uh, they want to know particular things about the Spirit. Are you, are you really spiritual? Well, this is a good chapter of the Bible to have a look at to diagnose that issue. Uh, in fact, the opening sentence there where it says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, indicates that he's picking up on something they've been corresponding to him about. And he often does that through this letter. Uh, just a little heads up, and this is the only time I'm going to do it tonight, the word gift isn't there in that verse. Uh, it's literally just now about of the spirit things, things of the spirit. It's about spiritual stuff. Now, he's going to go on and talk about gifts, so there's no problem with it being there in the opening sentence, but he's going to be talking about something that's bigger than gifts that gifts fit into, all right? And in particular, we'll see that when we look through these first verses because the first test of what it is to be spiritual is actually how we relate to Jesus. So the test of whether we have the Spirit and whether the Spirit is at work in us and through us and together with us is how we relate to Jesus. Now, let's pick it up. There's a fair length of chapter here, so we're going to work through it fairly quickly. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, or the things of the Spirit, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't want to be silly about this, do we? Because uh, I just said, Jesus be cursed, uh, because I was actually reading the passage of Scripture. Now, that doesn't mean, therefore, that that the Spirit is not at work. Uh, It's saying, what is your attitude towards Jesus? If, if you are pushing Jesus away, if Jesus is not even central to your life, if you attribute to Jesus the things of the devil, like you can read about in Mark chapter 3, where, where Jesus talks about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is calling him the one who comes and does what he does by Beelzebub. If you get it that wrong, then you don't have the Spirit at work. Because it's only by the Spirit of God that you're actually able to say, Jesus is Lord. Now, again, not to be too silly about this, a friend of mine had a budgerigar that she taught to say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Now, it wasn't a spirit-filled budgie, I know that. Uh, But Jesus is Lord is something that the Spirit of God enables us to embrace. Jesus as the King, as the boss, as the ruler in our lives, That's a spiritual work. Uh, I guess historically there have been some areas of of, uh, church life, denominations and different groups of people that have sought to emphasise different parts of God or different persons of God. Yeah, we're really into the Father. We're really into Jesus. We're really into the Spirit. Friends, God is a unity. And the Spirit's great joy is in Jesus being recognised as Lord and God being embraced as the Father. 
And we see in the New Testament that that is a sign that the Spirit of God is at work. So is the Spirit at work here? Well, who is our Lord? Who are we following? Together as a church, what are we wanting about? As individuals, are we following the Lord Jesus? That is a spiritual test. Well, let's see what else he has to say, because he is going to be talking significantly about gifts. And I think we need to be careful when we look at this, because like we've seen so often in Corinth, you don't open the book of 1 Corinthians to find out how a good church functions and what you should do. Uh, Last week, remember, he said, I can't commend you. Um, basically you've got it that wrong. And if you think it's a supper of the Lord or a meal of the Lord that you're eating, and no, it's not. Um, Some of you are getting drunk. Some of you are are pigging out. Some of you are ignoring the others around you. And if anything, uh, Corinth is kind of like the the anti-example. And so we ought to be suspicious, I think, when we look at any part that maybe that's going to be a factor again now. Well, what does he have to say? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working in all of them, and in everyone it is the same God who is at work. Now to each one of the uh, manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now one of the things that we see, I think, just quickly in looking at this passage, is the one and the many. You've got the unity, the one, and then you've got the many, the variety. And you see that again and again and again, just looking at at verses 4 and 5 here. Different, same, different, same, different, same. So you've got variety and you've got unity that are at work. And variety is seen within the church. Unity is seen in where all that is in the church comes from. So God is a God who's into variety. And we shouldn't be surprised at that, should we? Uh, Fiona and I were walking out, um, I forgot where it was, was it Diamond Head the other day? And you were just commenting on the, on the incredible diversity of the habitat that was around us. And, and just leading us to think, there's, there's got to be a God and he must love colour and texture and difference and variety. And he's so good at blending it all together. And we know that there is such individuality in God's creation. Um, Fingerprints, for example. I no longer have to remember passwords on my computer. All I need to do is put my fingerprint on. Now, I'm sure that means that I'm giving my fingerprint to Google, to to Facebook and to everybody else, and and one day it'll probably all come back to bite me. Uh, And I don't even have to remember passwords on my phone anymore. I just look at it. Now, how can those two things actually guarantee security on my devices? Why? Because my face is different to everybody else's. Even Marty's, all right? Even though the woman in the post office up at, at uh, Hat Heads thought that we were the same guy and were being rude to her by asking for the same thing twice in a row. Um, no, we, we're made differently. There's things like fingerprints. There's things like snowflakes. But it's not the texture of the creation that's on view here. It's the texture of the church. And God has made there to be difference within the church, variety within the church, 
different kinds of gifts within the church, distributed differently among different people within the church. But, but the key thing here is that they all come from the same source. They all come from the Spirit of God. You see it there, don't you? The same Spirit distributes them. The same Lord. And you see the same God at work. Interesting. One of the things that I think we can come a cropper in the understanding of gifts in the New Testament is to think that gifts, well, they come from the Spirit. And Jesus and the Father, they're into other things. But do you see all three being at work in this one paragraph? You've got different gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. You've got different kinds of service, but the same Lord, I take that's Jesus. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God who is at work. And in other parts of the New Testament, with different lists of gifts, some are poured out by the resurrected Jesus, some by the Spirit, some by God. It's not that you are dividing up God and one part of God, he's the generous giver, and other parts of God, well, they keep to themselves. Not at all. We receive from God and God is the generous giver of all things. And he gives all things for a purpose. And you see it there in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. So when we're thinking about the differences within the church, different people, different gifts, different workings, different service, I don't think we're meant to draw hard lines between this. It's just that God is equipping his people with great diversity. He has a purpose in mind. And the purpose is for the common good. That is, your gift is not simply for you, it's for us. The things that you do in the life of the body are not for your sake, your recognition, your thanks. And they're not just for a small group of people, they're actually for the common good, for one another. God is giving gifts to his church For the sake, and we'll see this very strongly when we get to chapter 14, of building the church together in love. God is doing that. One God, many gifts, but one purpose to build us together, the common good. That's what we see on view. And we need to recognise that this is the nature of these gifts. Now, there are some gifts, aren't there, that, that... if we not think about church for a minute, let's think about Christmas, right? There are some gifts that are very clearly for particular individuals. So if you, if you bought a little doll, right, and you wrapped it up and, and you forgot that, and instead of giving it uh, to your little daughter, it goes to her father, it's probably the wrong gift, isn't it? It's been given. It's been a mix-up there somehow. But there are some gifts that are for individuals, but there are other gifts that are for us all. In fact, there were times in our family life where we would buy a gift that was intended not simply for one person, but for us all to share together. A basketball hoop, for example. Now, you could fight over whether it was for one or whether it was for the other, but it became a lot more fun when you recognised that it was for all. It's interesting, it was one of those ones that you could kind of change from seven foot up to about 10 foot, I think, with the differences. 
And uh, our eldest child used to love dunking at seven foot, and the youngest child used to try shooting up at ten foot. Um, They'd argue about how high it should be and keep changing it. But the purpose of that gift was not just for one, but for everyone. And the purpose of gifts in the church is not just for one, it's for everyone. And so we read on verse 8, To the one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. But notice here that in all these they are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. One Spirit giving them as the Spirit chooses for the common good. And if you come down a bit further in this paragraph, uh, this passage, this chapter, right to the end, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. And then he says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now easily desire the greater gifts. Now I just want to say a couple of things about this before pausing. I don't think that we are meant to write out the list at the start of the chapter and write out the list at the end of the chapter and correspond and maybe eliminate any double ups and then go to other passages in the New Testament and write them down and, and, and work out any double-ups. And then the next and then the next, because there's five lists that we can find in the New Testament to work out what the Spirit gives. I don't think that any of them are there to be comprehensive. Although I've got a book, well, I did have a book at home, I'm not sure if I still own it, uh, which said these are the gifts, and it went right through the New Testament. Because, you see, some of them are just so general. You've got the gift here of helping, for example. What's the gift of helping? Well, it could be helping in, in all kinds of different situations. The gift of administration, a gift of service or a gift of teaching, of, of a word of knowledge. Now, the, the purpose here anyway in Corinth is in this argument, he's saying they all come from the one source. They all come from the spirit. There's variety, sure, but they're to be used for a common purpose. All right, now, I want to try and illustrate this, and I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need eight people to help me. Um, so if I can get some volunteers, anyone want to kind of whip up their hand? I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to want eight people. Okay, Jenny Shooting, thanks for that. And uh, Jan, thank you. Nato, that would be terrific. Leon, thanks for uh, volunteering. Up you come. Bruce Blackbell, come on down. Uh, yep, yep, how many have we got? We've got one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven. We need one more volunteer. Uh, Chris, thank you. Uh, great. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to give you all a gift. Right? And I want you just to hang on to the gift for a minute. Um, and, uh, alright. Sorry about this. It's going to take a little while. Um, there's your gift. Okay. Um, oh, no, hang on. No, alright. There's your gift. Um, there's yours. Um, there's yours. 
to you. Right. Now, I've given you all gifts. Now, I, I, I want you to all show the people what I've given to you. Uh, okay, so we've got a $5 note here, we've got a $1 coin, $10 note, a 5,000 rupee, uh, we've got 20 cents, 5 cents, $2, and $20. Now, I've given you all of these gifts. Um, they've all come from the one source, right? They've all come from me. Uh, none of you have earned that. It's not that I'm repaying you for something that you've done for me, is that right? All established that fact? Okay, so it's a gift. But the gift comes with a catch. You need to use this gift for the common good. I'm giving you this gift for the sake of of the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you to use this gift for the body of Christ. Now, at this point, you could be thinking, hang on, I could really do something. What have you got there, Bruce? You've got a 20. You're probably thinking that there's something you could do with that, right? So the temptation for Bruce is... Because he's got a pretty cool gift, right? He got the 20. Uh, I, I was only feeling 20 generous, not 50 or 100 generous today. Uh, but he might be tempted to use that for himself rather than the common good. And that would be understandable, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's also some other temptations because... Um, what, what, have, uh, what have you got there, Jenny? Five cents. You got five cents. Did you see what Bruce got? What did he get? He got twenty dollars. <laughs> How many of your gifts to make up one of his? You see, the temptation might be to think, "Well, I didn't get much of a gift." Nobody wants five cent pieces these days. I reckon if I went around and asked everybody to give me their five cent pieces, how many would I have? Well, you might have a lot, but see, I didn't give it to you for you, did I? I gave it to you to use for the common good. All right. So, look, it just in order to help you know how you can give for the common good. As Greg was saying, we have this box at the back of the room, right, which is for Salt Church, and all the money's given into this, and I don't have a key, and I never open it or handle it, actually get used for the work of the gospel. So if any of you would just like to simply put it into here and use it uh, for the common good, let me um, just pass this around, and you're welcome to put it in there. Okay, okay. I'll keep in mind. No, you can't put yours in there. I'll talk to you about it. <laughs> Okay, anyone else want to use it for the common good? You don't have to. I'm I'm encouraging you to, that's what I gave it to you for. You could use it some other way. Okay, well, isn't that terrific? They they were all committed to using it for the common good. How many of you just felt the temptation to use it for yourself? A little bit? No, no, no. Naya's got a gift that really won't be much good for the common good. What is it, mate? 5,000 rupiah. Any idea what that's worth? 50 cents. 50 cents. Now, sometimes you might have a gift that needs another gift to make it useful. Uh, for example, like a gift of tongues that can't be understood and therefore can't build up. But if there was a gift of interpretation, then that would be able to do something. And I just happen to have a gift of interpretation here. <laughs> so I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to swap that and you can have this gift and then you can use it for the common good. Um, you might want to put it in yourself. Thanks, people. That's all you need to do. Um, thank you for my wonderful team. Now, hopefully that illustrates both the fact that gifts are gifts. They're not earned. There's great diversity. But you put it all together, and I haven't added it up, but there's quite a bit in there for the common good, right? Okay, good. Shit, glad it was all clear. So let's, uh, let's move into the second half of the passage, and you'll see that 
many of these themes continue. But there's a new image. This is the image of the body. So just as a body, though one, I'm reading from verse 12, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, again, the one and the many, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part but of many. Um, Now, I'm going to jump down also to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Now it's a pretty well-known picture, this one, isn't it? The, The body of Christ. And I've no idea exactly what they're doing over there in, uh, in the kids' church, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're drawing bodies with different parts and so on, and you're talking about Christ being the head of the church and, and the different parts all playing their role. We're familiar with the image, but let's not gloss over it. To actually be the body of Christ, to be Christ's body. Now, of course... When the Son of God became man, so God took on a body, a real body. And that is Jesus Christ was God embodied, God incarnate. And continues to be so as the resurrected Jesus, the man, uh, is at the right hand of God. But God, through Jesus, is also present in his body, that is the church. And the image is being used here again for the purpose of understanding the complexity of a body and how it's got different parts and those different parts are all part of the one and each part is necessary for the body to function well. And the argument, I think, is it's pretty simple. That is, everybody is important, but let's recognise, first of all, that it's Christ's body. And therefore, as we're dealing with our thinking about the church, not simply a social organisation, we're not like the local kind of progress association or the surf club or, or the PNC or, or some other group. No, this is actually of a spiritual nature. This is Christ's body. This is where the spirit dwells. This belongs to God. So this is the body of Christ. Um, Now, I just want a little aside um, to pause. Um, There's a verse here, I think, that has caused... It's caused difficulties in understanding and, sadly, division within the church. And it's there in verse 13. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. Um, The idea of being baptised by the spirit or in the spirit is an idea which has been taken, I think, and used in a different way to the way the Bible uses it. Um, Let me explain. There is a denomination that I'm aware of, and there are other churches that I'm aware of, who would state that the baptism in the Spirit is something that happens after you become a Christian. So you are then baptised in the Spirit which is evidenced by speaking in tongues. Right? Now, that's, you might have come across that. You might have been a part of the church that's actually had that as its official teaching. Problem is, it doesn't actually come from the Bible, that teaching. There are seven references to baptism in the Spirit in the New Testament. I could take you to all of them. We don't have time. 
but I'm very happy to sit down and open the Bible and talk about this with any of you. There are seven references. Six of them, well, four of them are in the Gospels and they all refer to the same thing. Uh, and that is John the Baptist saying that the one who comes after him will baptise in the Spirit. He baptised in water. Jesus will baptise in the Spirit. Two of them are in the book of Acts and they were referring back to that. And then there's this one. So this one's really important. But I want you to see this in context. The whole thrust of this is to talk about unity of the church. Unity. And this is something that is clearly relevant to every single Christian and that is past tense for every single Christian. So you see there, verse 13, for we were all baptised by or into one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. What we have, I take it, is a description uh, using the metaphors of baptism and drinking to refer to becoming a Christian. That is, when we come to Jesus, we're given the Spirit. When we come to Jesus, we're washed. That's what baptism means, to dip in, to wash in the Spirit. Um, when, when we become a Christian, we have the Spirit to drink. There, there's a lot of fluid images, by the way, of the Spirit in the Bible, not just, not just baptism and drinking, but pouring and so on. Um, it's talking about the fact that this is something common to every Christian because he's going to go on and argue on the basis of this. You've all been baptised into the one spirit. You have the same spirit. You're all part of the body. You all belong to it. You're all playing different parts. But you, who are many, are part of one body. It's not talking about different groups of Christians. And sadly, to say that, that this is another class of Christians, those who have been baptised in the Spirit, as evidenced by speaking in tongues, and that should become the normal Christian experience, then I think fail to recognise what gets said about gifts later when it makes the point very clearly that not all have the same gift. Some speak in tongues, some have the gift of helping, some have the gift of knowledge, some have the gift of... The point is, not all have the same. All right, so what's the big issue for him then? Well, let's read on, verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that, and then get this, 
There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. How many of you have been looking at Corinthians right through? We've been meandering at most of us, right, over the weeks. Isn't this a common phrase, so that there should be no division in the body? It started back in chapter 1. It's come up again in chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. It's, it's, it's such a big deal in Corinth. Here's another aspect to it. They are arguing how spiritual they are. You can imagine them, can't you? I've got this gift. I've got $20. Oh, I've only got five cents. Oh, but I've got $10. I've only got 10 cents. And my gift, well, it's not even the right currency. Well, let's do something about that. You see, here are Corinth tearing again at each other. When everything they have has come from God and God has made them different and given them different gifts for the sake of making a beautiful body that works together. I've had to pay attention to my body in recent times. Um, the, uh, they say that one of the issues for people who have cancer uh, is the struggle with body image. And, and you know, particularly I think women who lose their hair with breast cancer treatment, it's a big deal. But the rest of us with other cancers, we, we struggle as well. I, I lost an awful lot of weight uh, when I was first got diagnosed. I had scars, three of them down the side of my chest. I looked pretty pasty because I hadn't been out in the sun. Uh, in January, after we were um, uh, it was kind of toward the end of the, the summer holiday period, and I'd been in hospital most of that time and then recovering at home, and we got invited out to a friend's place to go to the pool. And Marcus, who's here tonight, good to have you here, Marcus, at 13 years of age said, Dad, it's just as well you're already married because no one would marry you looking like that. <laughs> Our body image. Uh, it was a big struggle, right? Um, we, we do grapple and struggle and tussle with these things. I have no idea what the point I was making is now, but it's a good story. Um, (laughs) Different parts, right? Every part is important. Nobody is a nobody. And God has designed the purpose. Verse 18, God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Isn't that great? I mean, you look around at this room and you see the different people and you see different gifts. You see people who are able to stand up and play guitar and, and sing. Uh, you see people who are terrific at, at just making people feel welcome, people opening up their houses, people who are able to teach the Bible, people who are patient and leading our children, people who are just really good at making sure that things are organised and set up, people who are fantastic at reaching out to their neighbours, people who always seem to have a kind word and are offering to pray, people whose, uh, whose love for others inspires those around about them. So many different gifts, and I'm just talking about this body here. God gives us diversity for the sake of our differences working to create a whole. And that's what the church is to be, the whole body of Christ. And we should celebrate these differences. The whole point of these last few verses here. When he says in the church, there's first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, different kinds of tongues, is that there's difference. All kinds of difference. And then, in actually here's, a, here's another kind of background thing. In the, um, 
in the original language, New Testament Greek, you can ask a question in such a way as to set up the answer you're expecting. We can do it in English, right? Um, I'm not going to the women's thing, am I? I've asked a question, you all know the answer. Not just because I'm a bloke, but because of the way I asked the question. I'm not going, am I? Right? And, and each one of these questions here are all apostles. Um, you could translate this very faithfully. Not all are apostles, are they? Not all are prophets, are they? Not all are teachers, are they? Not all work miracles, do they? Not all have the gifts of healing, do they? Not all speak in tongues, do they? Not all interpret, do they? That's what he's saying. It's about difference and diversity. One spirit, many different gifts. Celebrating our differences together. Well, what do we make of this, friends? Let me, let me wrap it up. Let me tie some things together. I, I think there's a number of things that we need to be reminded of from this passage. For us as a church, it's salt here. And first of all, just to remember and appreciate deeply that everything we have comes from God. That God is the God of grace. He's a generous giver. He's a gift giver. And the gifts sometimes in the Bible, they're the people. The gifts sometimes in the Bible, they're what the people can do. And the people in what they can do, if they are working as the body is intended to work, value others with different roles. And they, they work together with those different roles. It's interesting, as, as I kind of gave a clue that I was about to finish the sermon by saying, let me wrap this up and tie some things together, I saw two people get up and walk out because they hate application, right? No, because they, I take it, are probably doing something with hospitality and they're probably thinking, right, now's the time to turn up the urn a little bit. Now's the time to check the sausage rolls to see they're okay. Now's the time to actually put the things out that uh, need to be on the plates and so on. It's the body working together. Different people taking initiative. Different things. And what we see here as we look around about is different gifts, different people that are all to be honoured, all to be recognised, all to be included all to be valued. And it doesn't matter whether it's a a $20 gift or a $0.05 gift. Every gift is given by God for the common good. We're not all Billy Grahams, are we? We're not all Elizabeth Elliots. We're not all Greg Hickeys. We're not all Annette Jones. We're, We're not all... And I could go around and really embarrass myself by forgetting the members of my own family who are all here tonight, all of them. Grandkids, kids. You're here too, terrific. Family, excellent. No, we are to recognise each other and to thank God for each other and to encourage each other because that's, that's the wonderful thing that God has given us each other. And I think there's much to thank God for here. But we can take it beyond this as well. The image here of every part in the body having a role to play, I think reminds us that church is not a spectator sport. Um, We're not not here to consume. You're not the audience and me the presenter. Or whoever else might be up the front. We're, we're, we're not different categories here. We're, we're actually 
we're in this game together. It's, a, it's not a spectator sport. It, it's, a, it's a team sport. And of course, it's not ultimately a game, is it? But we, we are the body of Christ. We're members together. We're, we participate in that. And, and we do it on Saturdays. Uh, so many people participate in enabling us to have church. Uh, from those who somehow mysteriously in the earlier hours of the morning put, put the banner on the fence and, and the flags go up so that when people drive past throughout the day, they see that we exist. And, and people who come in and they unlock and, and, and they set up the chairs. When, when you arrive, uh, most of you, the chairs are already there for you. And there's a PA that's working and the microphone's usually been turned on and tested and there's somebody who monitors that sound so that we get it right and it's easy to listen to. And sometimes we have to turn the fans on or, or change and lift up the back wall or, or turn the heaters on because it's really cold. There are people doing things. So the experience of the body on a Saturday is a good experience. And then up front, of course, there's lots of things. There's music, there's prayer, there's reading the Bible, there's sharing testimonies at times, there's preaching, there's... There's, there's different things that go together. There's people who just naturally, I've noticed, because we don't have a roster for handing out these bits of paper or the Bibles, just look around and go, would you like a Bible? Would you like an outline? There are often people who, who gather up food and, and, and take it and say, would you like a piece of this? Um, somebody regularly comes to me, thanks Annette, because looking out for the celiacs amongst us uh, so that we don't get poisoned accidentally. And then afterwards, packing up or, or counting the money or banking the money or people who, who meet to pray, people who meet in soul groups during the week, people who meet to make plans and review and, and pray for and prepare for what's going on as you prayed for tonight. So it's all working together. Friends, if you're wondering how you can be a part of the body, First of all, if you belong to Christ, you are part of the body. But if you're wondering how you can function as a part of the body, and you're not sure about that, then I'd love to have a conversation with you. Let me suggest a way forward. If you're in a salt group and you'd like to work out how you can be part of serving in the body, um, let me encourage you to have the conversation there with your leaders in your salt group, first of all. If you're not part of a salt group, uh, and you'd like to talk about what your gifts might be, how you can contribute to the body working together, um, I would like you to make contact with me. Uh, send me an email. The email's on the back of this little handout. Uh, ring me up, send me a text. However, get in touch with me, and I will make a time, at some time, it'll be over the next few weeks, we won't all be on the first day, but I'll make a time to get together with you and talk about how you might be able to serve within the body. And if you normally um, go to the point and you're part of my family and you want to join this body, well then we can talk about that later as well. Or if you want to move up from Sydney perhaps. And no. Alright. God has given us each other. Let's thank him for each other and let's thank him for his word. Let's pray.